Welcome back to the Hour View Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Sylvia Longmire. Sylvia is an accessible travel writer, a filmmaker, and producer, also a voiceover actor who lives with multiple sclerosis. We are sharing our love of travel in this conversation, how things are not always accessible for those of us who have disabilities when we travel, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you all today. I hope you enjoy it. This episode of the Our View podcast is sponsored by Mysterious Miracles, a nonprofit organization in Colorado that empowers the people of Colorado who are living with multiple sclerosis to thrive in their new normal by providing access to medical services and resources, assistance with acquiring personal mobility aids, and home retrofitting. To access these services or to find out more about Mysterious Miracles and to donate to the nonprofit, visit their website at www.mysteriousmiracles.org, their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash msadultprom, or email team at mysteriousmiracles.org. Mysterious is spelled M-S-T-E-R-I-O-U-S. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Hour View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I am very excited to welcome my guest today, Sylvia Longmire. And uh, Sylvia, mm-hmm. it is great to uh, put a face to a name and to a voice. You and I, we met on Clubhouse, yep. and uh, we've participated in a lot of the same rooms and conversations over the last year and a half or so on Clubhouse uh, on topics related to disabilities. So I'm excited to have you on today. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Always, always excited about the opportunity to talk about accessible travel for sure. Yes. And speaking of accessible travel, I forgot to mention what you do for a living. <laughs> so uh, and, and I, I took this straight from your Instagram profile, admittedly. It says that you are an accessible travel writer, a filmmaker, producer, voiceover actor and a media personality. <laughs> you, uh, your content on uh, Instagram that I see of you traveling is just, um, it's so inspiring to me because I like to travel. So, and I say it's inspiring and I know that's not a popular word sometimes uh, yeah. in the disability community, but I say it's inspiring because I do like to travel. So to see that there are accessible things being done in the travel world to make it easier for people like myself uh, to travel, you know, once everything opens back up after the uh, COVID situation straightens itself out, it sure. inspires me that I can travel to many other different places where, you know, not necessarily where I know somebody who lives there. I can travel on my own. I can do things yep. because things are becoming more accessible slowly, but surely. <laughs> slowly. That's the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So uh, to start off our conversation, I would like for you to introduce yourself and tell our listeners who is Sylvia, because I know there's so much more to you besides the brief introduction that I just gave. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Who is who is Sylvia Longmire? Um, well, uh, I'm a service disabled veteran, uh, 47 years old. I have had multiple sclerosis for 16 years now, a uh, single mom to 
two amazing boys that you can see plenty of their photos uh, on Instagram. Um, and as far as my work, I have my fingers in so many different pies right now, uh, but accessible travel is absolutely my passion. I travel around the world, usually by myself in my power wheelchair, and I explore and document the accessibility or lack thereof, uh, my destinations in, uh, in photos, in my, uh, blog, my spin the globe blog and, uh, and also in video. And it's just, it's inspiring to me just meeting all the people that I get to talk to, uh, hearing what their challenges and their countries and their cultures are like, um, exploring the country this summer with my boys by car. That was an adventure that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and just the most amazing trip that I've ever taken. Uh, and I'm also recently getting into uh, filmmaking. I'm currently producing a documentary about uh, people with disabilities and the dreams that they have, wheelchair users, uh, the dreams they have at night, uh, and um, doing some editing with that, which has been its own, <laughs> been its own challenge. And uh, just trying to get in front of the camera and behind the camera to increase the representation of people with disabilities in media. Uh, so that's currently my my biggest passion and trying to balance out those projects along with accessible travel. So it's it's been a busy 2021. Was a very busy year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that you have MS. Can you tell us um, a little bit more about your diagnosis, um, what MS sure. is and how it impacts your life? Sure. So multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. And it basically what happens is that your immune system is so strong that it attacks your own body, but very specifically it attacks uh, myelin, which is the coating over your nerves. Uh, and when your body attacks that myelin, it leaves like little holes and it basically causes a short circuit between your brain and different parts of your body. So the message that your brain sends doesn't quite get there. So I've been using a wheelchair full time for about seven years, and it's not because my muscles don't work. It's because the message doesn't get from my brain to my legs telling them to move. And it's very specific parts of my body, very specific parts of my muscles and legs that some work, some don't. So I'm able to travel by myself and live by myself because I can stand up if I grab onto something, but the muscles that make my legs lift and, and move independently um, don't work. So that's why I can't walk. Um, and it's, it's not fatal or anything like that, but it is progressive. So I'm on treatment to slow it down and I'm on a couple of different medications to help different symptoms and stuff. But right now there's no cure. There's just a variety of treatments. Um, and as far as how it affects my daily life and my travel, and I'm just slow. <laughs> Everything I, I do, it has to go, it has to go slowly and very deliberately. And my kids teach, you know, tease me all the time. Like, mom, you're so slow. I'm like, sorry. I, you know, I take you all over the world and all over the country, 6,500 miles in 18 States, you know, with me doing all the driving and all the work, but yeah, I'm slow. So, you know, I get things done, but it's just more, you know, and they know, you know, we know it's, right. it's just a, it's a joke, but still uh, they're, they're kids, they're 13 and 11, you know, what else are they going to say? Um, so that's really the main thing is that it's, it's more deliberate. Um, I do get frustrated because we all want our bodies to be more cooperative uh, at, at times. And sometimes they're just not. Um, and uh, so I have to make a concerted effort, especially when I'm traveling to um, pace myself because I get so excited and not overwork my body because I know that I'll pay for it the next day. So I have to make sure that I stretch every night uh, for my spasticity, get lots of rest and eat and, and drink enough water. So, uh, so yeah, definitely some considerations I have to take in mind when doing my day to day with MS. Yes, I, um, I, I love what you said that your, uh, your sons, what they say to you. It's oh my God, <laughs> the stuff they say. It's, 
it's so it's so funny because it's like like you said of course you know they're just joking and I think um you know for myself of course I I can say very similar things happen to me with my friends and family they're just like well you come on like please like it's cold out here like let's let's move it let's go yeah <laughs> so it's always uh you know I I love I love laughing and uh and, and and you just sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself and yes and the situation it you know keep it light so <laughs> so I really appreciated that and um I appreciated what you said at the end there just um you know about not overdoing it because you know to know your body and to know your own limitations oh yeah it's it's um as you mentioned you live on your own I live on my own and I know what I can do I know what I can't do <laughs> And, and that's just as important. Yeah. And sometimes that is the most important thing to know yep. your limitations and, uh, you know, to not overdo it one day so you can continue and do things the next day. And uh, it, it's just really so important that we all pay attention to our bodies. And I think that is uh, something that's not often talked about uh, in the disability community. And people see our good days in quotation marks and they see us smiling and going and laughing all the time being all inspirational <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know but they don't see the the times where we might overdo it on uh you know on a Tuesday so we have to lay yeah. in bed a little bit later on Wednesday yeah so yeah. uh you know I'm, I'm very glad that you're that you brought that up so uh, thank you for for that <laughs> of course and I mean I'm I'm very I'm extremely open about my uh, about my my disability and my hard days. And we always say that Facebook is like a highlight reel. Uh, and I don't want uh, how do I put this? Like my life can be very glamorous. You know, I travel and I go to different things in my community and I do a lot of fun stuff and I get dressed up. But uh, MS is what it is and chronic illness is what it is. So I have my my crap days and I try to make it a point to post about those crap days, whether, and, you know, even if the photos are, are unattractive and it's, it's not about self-pity. It's not about woe is me or feel bad for me. It's about being authentic and being real. And I don't want my social media feeds and just to be a highlight reel, because I want people to understand that, uh, yeah, sometimes my days suck. <laughs> uh, and, and, and most of the time they don't, most of the time it's great. And I have a lot of mechanisms that I can use to get over or get past those things when the days are bad. But um, sometimes it's just, it, it just really sucks. And uh, I want people to understand that so they can get, whether it's a window into my life or understand how I overcome those things and it helps them to overcome those things. Um, but yeah, I, I try to make it a point to not shy away from that and make sure that people understand that MS or any other chronic illness or disability is real. Right. Yeah, it's real and it has its ups and its downs and just yeah, and just like everybody, whether they have a, a diagnosed disability or not, people have up days yeah. and down days. And yeah, um, it's it's always important, like you said, to stress that and to uh, make it real. I think that that's what yeah. makes it real. Uh, and and to talk about those uh, ups and downs that we have, um, as like I said, as anybody, whether you have a, a, di a disability diagnosis or not, I think it's uh, really important to uh, not just make our social media feeds the highlight reel exactly. of, yeah. of the good things and the great things that are going on. Um, in your uh, introduction, I mentioned, and then you mentioned as well, that you are an accessible travel writer. Can you share with us uh, what that means? And can you tell 
tell us what your favorite part about being, uh, what is your favorite part about being an accessible travel writer? Oh my God, my favorite part about being an accessible travel writer. Um, wow. Uh, well, traveling the world, of course, um, exploring new places. There are actually very few places that I've been to twice because I always think like, well, if there's always somewhere new to go, um, not knowing what that day is going to bring. I mean, I can plan and plan and plan and God knows I do. I can't tell you how many hours I spent endlessly researching the accessibility or the potential for me to be able to visit a place. But when you get there, there is only so much you can do. And that, that lack of control is both terrifying and exhilarating at the same time, because I just don't know what's going to happen, who I'm going to see, what my experience is going to be like, but it's just so thrilling. It's, it's so exciting. Um, I'm terrified of flying, but I do it anyway, because it's the only way for me to get from point A to point B. Um, but uh, yeah, just not knowing what it's, what it's going to bring. Um, I love cruises. Cruises are my favorite way um, to travel. And I always have fun on cruises, even if the ship is just old and decrepit, because I have been on some old and decrepit ships um, and the food is, eh, you know, not every cruise is great, but I know I'm going to meet great people. I know I'm going to have fun. I know the weather is probably going to be at least partially awesome. Um, and I just bring the fun with me. Yeah. I, uh, that's the people that I meet. That's probably my favorite part about accessible travel, because when I'm traveling by myself, I'm not talking to other people or my attention isn't taken away from those around me. So I tend to notice more things and I'm more um, drawn to, to talk to the locals about what their culture is like, what their country is like. And I mean, I wrote an entire book about the experiences with meeting people in different countries around the world. Um, and then, you know, being able to write about it and share that with others, um, the feedback that I get from people saying that, Sylvia, I never thought that I could travel here. I never thought I could do this. I never thought I could go on a cruise. And then I read your blog post and now I know I can do it, or I'm going to go on, on this trip for the first time. Like that brings me to tears. That's easily, easily the best part. I, I mean, yeah, I get to see some pretty awesome places, but knowing that I'm making the difference in somebody's life that I've never met before, that is just, that's, that's easily the best part. Right. And that is, um, and that's, that's exactly what I was, uh, referring to when I said it was inspirational to see you doing this because, you know, my friends and family, they know, uh, you know, before 2020, I would get on an airplane and go visit anybody. It was, yeah. you know, most of the time when your friends and family move away, people are like, oh no, I'm so sad. And I'm like, yes, another place for me to go visit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, like, yes, I'm sad that I won't see you as often, but I do now have another place I can go visit. So yes, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, best of luck to you and I'll see you soon. So that is, um, you know, that that's exactly what I meant. So to see you, uh, and especially I love the content you were posting over the summer, you mentioned you traveled with your, uh, with your sons. And I think that's just so great to give them uh, that experience, the travel experience as well. Um, did you have a, a favorite, and this is not one of my prepared questions, so I apologize for it, but I just, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, did you have a favorite stop over the summer? One of your, your favorite locations that you visited, um, over the summer. <laughs> we did. And you know, it's, it's funny because my, my boys and I totally agreed. It, it's a top three. I mean, we stopped in so many places. It's mm -hmm. hard to pick just one. Um, but our, our shared top three was, uh, South Dakota. Uh, going to, to Mount Rushmore and Badlands and everything. So that was Rapid City was just phenomenal. Um, oh my God, it was so amazing. Uh, Moab 
was beautiful. I love the Canyon lands just anywhere in Arizona and Utah. And um, we just had such a great time. So Moab was really amazing. And then as far as like cities go, our favorite was Chattanooga. Uh, and that was toward the end of our trip. So, it, you know, we had plenty to compare it to. Um, you know, we, we loved Nashville. We had a great time in Nashville as well. So I think that was a close second. Um, but there's just some stops and some places where the activities that we do uh, and just the, the weather and the, how their energy and everything um, just kind of aligns uh, the right way. And those three stops were easily our, our favorite places. That's great. That was so, so much fun. I, uh, you know, I was in the house mostly and didn't travel outside of the state over the summer which was uh, very sad for me. No, but, uh, sad for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to see your, uh, your content and the fun that you all were having was uh, a highlight of my summer, even though I wasn't. Oh my trip. gosh. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It was, we, I, you know, I, I don't believe in luck. You know, they say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And certainly there was a lot of preparation that went into this trip and we had a lot of really uh, great opportunities for, for access and timing, you know, is everything. We didn't never really had any trouble um, finding accessible parking and the hotel rooms for the most part worked out okay. <laughs> and a lot of planning and preparation went into that. And we, we ran into our, we ran into our challenges and ran into our obstacles, but, but overall just, it, you know, stuff just, just worked out for us. And even when they didn't, we just laughed about it. I, and we, so not yeah. to go off track, but it's kind of really, so, um, uh, uh, like last week, the boys and I went to Charleston for four days and I, I had had that plan for a little while. And I booked us a hotel in the historic city center because I wanted to be rolling distance of the places that, you know, we were going to see and go just driving around Charleston and finding parking is a pain. Um, and the second night or the second day that we were there, I had the boys go take a shower. We had just gotten back from a ghost tour. So it was probably nine 30 at night. We were tired. I said, go take a shower. And we got back to the room. And before I told them to take a shower, there was like a puddle of water in the middle of the bathroom. And we had no idea where it came from. We just got there. I'm like, but the shower was dry and I didn't know what happened. So they went to go take a shower and all of a sudden water literally started pouring from the ceiling down the walls on both the bathroom, in the bathroom, and then on the other side of the same wall in the bedroom, like pouring, like oh, one man. of those waterfall walls that you see in a hotel or something, you know, those decorative <laughs> water walls. And it's like spreading over the floor. And I'm like, oh my God. And I just looked at the boys and they looked at me and our eyes are like this big. I'm like, pack up everything as fast as you can. Cause I'm picturing something out of a movie, like a bathtub falling through the ceiling into right. our room. You know, we're on the second floor and we didn't know where the water was coming from. We figured there was a burst pipe somewhere. So we packed, we literally, and remember I'm slow. We packed up everything in five minutes. I'm not lying five minutes. And we went down to the lobby. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. They're either going to put us in another room or they're going to send us to another hotel. This is the day after, this is like two days after Christmas. It's like the busiest travel time everything is sold out. I, I don't know how they're going to help us, but we're not staying in that room. And it was that, that bathroom was garbage for accessibility. Anyway, it was still, it was very uncomfortable. So we were waiting in the lobby. The manager on duty that night was on the phone. We were in the lobby for maybe 40 minutes. And I, I the kids are like, can we get a snack? I go, go get whatever you want. So they're eating Skittles and drinking Powerade at like 10 30 at night. And I'm like, this is one of those mom decisions. Where I'm like, kids, just do whatever you right. just do whatever you want. I just don't care. This is the kind of night that it's going to be, but we're laughing hysterically because it's like, this is what happens to us, right? This is just what, this is just the sort of thing that happens. And you can't just put us in any hotel room. 
So the, the other accessible rooms that they had were all booked. So after about 40 minutes, they found us a room, an accessible room that could fit the three of us. Cause PJ and I, my younger son and I can share a king bed. And then my older son, who's much bigger, he takes the sofa bed. So we needed room for three. Um, they found us an accessible room at the same hotel chain about two miles away, exactly in the spot where we were going to go visit the following day. And the hotel was brand new and it was like four stars. It was the same hotel chain, but the other one was old and it was run down. And this one was like mm-hmm. shiny and sparkly. And the room was phenomenal. The entire hotel, the accessibility was out of this world. The location was stunning with an amazing view of the Ravenel bridge. And it was walking distance from every place we wanted to go the next day. And I was like, oh my God. And everything was comped. We didn't have to pay for anything for the hotel for either for all three nights that we were there it was all comped so it ended up all being free wow so that's so you know that's you know we didn't have anything that major happen to us on the summer trip but that's like that's the kind of thing that happens to me when I'm alone and now the kids they're used to it but the the teaching moment at least for them and for any parent who has uh, any disabled parent that has children um, Mm -hmm. is that it's a teaching moment because they are looking at me on how I react to adversity whether it's you know, with the hotel or whether it's somebody saying something stupid to me on the street, which has happened (laughs) plenty of times, Mm -hmm. or just, you know, any other challenge with parking. We've run into plenty of parking challenges with people parking in the accessible, you know, the access aisle and all this and this. So what do we do? Instead of getting angry about it, we make a TikTok video about it and we get 2 million views, you know? Um, So they, you know, they, they, they ping off of me and what my reaction is. And that helps them to be more chill and think about, all right, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to fix this as opposed to just getting angry about it? Absolutely. I love, I'm so glad you shared that story because it's, it's so true. As people with disabilities, we have to adapt and change like on the, on a dime. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. We never know what is going to face us, you know, what we're going to face when we arrive at a hotel, right? At at a concert venue, at a sporting venue. Yep. Yeah. It's a crapshoot. And my friends, they, I've been out places with friends and they're just like, they're just like, wow, you, you remain very calm. And my response is, is usually it's very early. I never know what other shit we might run into today. Yeah. The night is, the night is young. The night night is is young. young. I have to pace myself. (laughs) Yep. That's right. Exactly. I cannot get upset about this because we might find four or five other things to do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The the sun is still up. So we have to to really pace ourselves on when we, you know, when we use our energy to, to really fight about something so oh yes you know and and it happens you know we get frustrated and just like everybody else but as you said in in that situation with your sons for them to see your response and how you know how you handled it and remained calm because in a situation like that it's out of everybody's control anyway (laughs) exactly exactly I mean there's nothing I was not going to fix that pipe and even if they were able to fix it, but still everything's flooded. Oh, we'll send a housekeeping to go clean it up. I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to keep that tub from falling through the ceiling <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, that's a big fat hard pass. Right. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that you uh, have written a book. I had a chance to read it um, over the summer and uh, I loved it. So it's called What Happened Thank to You. you. It's called What Happened to You? Accessibility in Countries Outside of the United States. Again, hearing your stories and um, 
you know, even though I've never been to any of the places <laughs> that you mentioned, I don't think, uh, you know, outside of the country, um, I could just picture, you know, the, the way that you wrote and, and described the places. It was very, uh, very visual for me and, and a nice escape for me <laughs> to uh, be in these places <laughs> uh, with you in, in my mind, at least. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm very lucky that I had a wonderful content editor to help me with that. Yes. <laughs> so um, two stories that I that I remember that really stood out to me were uh, your trip to Berlin and the inaccessible train stop. Oh. Um, that I, I related to that because I, I live in New Jersey and I often travel to New York City. I love Broadway shows. Uh, Madison Square Garden is um, one of the few venues I have found that offer uh, accessible seating in the front row for concerts. Ah, okay. Yes. And they, um, and you just pay the ticket price. They don't charge you the extra fees and everything. So um, that that's, I, I travel to New York and it's easy and accessible most of the time. Um, I've taken that train, yeah. Yeah, from Jersey to- uh, To Penn Station, <laughs> to yeah. Penn Station. Uh, but again, you run into situations that are out of your control when the concert's over at 1130 at night. Oh, and, and then everybody's everybody's rushing there. And then you, you find out the train that you need to get on is on a track that the elevator is broken. Oh, so yeah. you can't get down to the track. So that means you have to wait another hour and a half or two hours for the train to yeah. come in and hope that it comes in on a track that has a working elevator. Um, so, so that was a story I definitely uh, related to. Can you share with us a little bit about that uh, story, if, if you will? Sure. So I, it was my last full day in Berlin and I had no plans and I decided it, it's so hard for us to be spontaneous. You know this. Yes. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Potsdam because it's, it's a, it's only like a 45 minute train ride. And the S-Bahn and the U-Bahn system in Berlin is absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And the access is great. So I just take the S-Bahn to the end of the line, get off in Potsdam. I can do the hop on, hop off, you know, hop off bus and uh, or use public transportation, super easy. And, you know, this is partly my fault because the system that you can check online for for the Berlin trains, you can see which print, you know, what the timing is, but you can also see which stations have elevators, which I, I did check that. I did not check the operability of the elevators and which ones were broken. So I go, I get up early. I go all the way down to Potsdam and I get out at the last train station and the elevator's broken. I'm like, oh my God, why? You know, great. So I'm like, okay, I can backtrack one station and still take the bus and get to where I need to go with a decent amount. I backtrack one station and that one also broke. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like the universe is just telling me today is not the day. <laughs> And then I backtrack one more station. Like that's as far as I could go. And maybe that elevator was working. Maybe it wasn't. I didn't get out to check because it was just shady. And I'm like, I'm traveling. Yeah, it's daytime. Yeah, it's Germany. It's pretty safe here. But still, I'm a woman traveling alone. And this just it just felt really sketchy. Mm -hmm. And I just I, I'm not a crier. I'm really not. But I just I, I'm sitting here on a train and I broke down into tears because it's just it just made me real. It just made me so hyper aware of my disability. And I'm generally not because, you know, it, it's, I call it wheelchair privilege. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very careful about how I use terms like that. Um, trying to be, uh, trying to be sensitive and, and trying to be, 
um, you know, just correct about how I, I use that. But um, like any other kind of privilege, you know, it's things that people who who don't have it don't you know, they don't think about it. I, I I try to explain the term to my mom um, when talking about you know white privilege and, and and using that as a parallel to to walking privilege. Whereas like when you get out of bed every morning, do you you know and go to the bathroom and go and get your breakfast and brush your teeth? Are you conscious of the fact that you're using your feet to to get there? Um, when you go up a step to get into a, a store or a restaurant, are you conscious of the fact that you're taking that step, getting into a car, the way that your body moves? You are not thinking about how your body moves or does not move every minute of every day. And I am hyper aware of that at certain times more so than others. But every day when you have to move your leg, when I get, you know, to go to transfer to the toilet or to the, to the fold down bench, I have to move my feet and position my feet and position my legs a certain way every single time. So we think about that, but most people who are non-disabled don't, it's just, it just doesn't enter into the brain. Um, but you know, and that does not come with, at least for me, doesn't come with any self-pity. It just, that's just how my body works. But that particular day, it just, it was like a sledgehammer to the chest, um, of, of this really sucks. And that got me thinking about, well, you know, where does the problem lie? Does the problem lie in the fact that my body doesn't let me walk and use the stairs to get down from the train platform to the street? Or does the problem lie in a broken elevator? And that's the big debate in our world, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the social model, the, the medical model of disability that tells us that we're broken and need to be fixed because the norm is that people are walking. And if you fix us, um, then we can just, you know, fit into the world that is out there and created where the social model is like, there's nothing wrong with us. Like we were born this way, or this is the way that our bodies were meant to, 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 you know, be disabled or degenerate or whatever word you want to use. This is just the way that it is, accept me how I am. And if you fix, if you put a ramp there, or if you fix those stairs or you fix that elevator, not only can I go in there, but so can a mom with a stroller or somebody who's elderly that uses a cane or anybody and everybody can use that elevator. It's not just special for me. Um, so what's making me disabled, my MS or the world around me? And that that's the big debate. And it was something that I was thinking really, really hard on on that train ride back to Berlin. And my day ended up working fine. I ended up doing some really cool things that I wasn't planning on doing. So it all worked out. Uh, but man, that it just, it was, um, it was really hard to be just to have my, I felt like my disability was being thrown in my face all over a freaking elevator, you know, that wasn't working. So it was a, it was a really hard day. It was a really hard day. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the uh, medical model versus the social model of disability because that is, um, it, it's just true that we, we live our lives every day, you know, with our disabilities. And as you mentioned, you know, when you do certain things, you have to position your legs in a certain way to make sure that, you know, you can transfer easily or, um, and it's very, uh, you know, very similar things happen to me. And because I've lived with my disability all my life for 40 years and my family and friends have grew up with me and, and they see that I make it look easy. It's just like, there are still some things that, you know, when I, when I get a bed, I have to make sure it's not too far off the ground right? <laughs> because without my braces on, I have to crawl. I can't stand up at all. Yeah. So, you know, I have to make sure that I can get from the floor onto my bed every night by myself. If I'm going to live yeah. by myself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
So it's, it's like those little things where it's like, yeah, that bed is great, but it's, you know, it's four feet off of the ground. Yeah. So yeah. Like, welcome to every hotel room in America. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, with the box spring and the, and the four foot mattress. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that is, um, you know, so I definitely relate to that as well. And uh, back to the, the medical model versus the social model of disability, it's, you know, it does my spina bifida, as you said, does your multiple sclerosis make you disabled or is it that the world around us is inaccessible, uh, you know, which prevents us from using uh, elevators and getting in, in and yeah. out of stores and, and restaurants and places like that. Um, you know, that, that is a great, um, you know, it's a very great and interesting conversation to have that, uh, that it really makes me, you know, really made me aware of that again, reading your book and uh, the experiences that you have had around the world that are not accessible because, you know, in America, we always say, oh, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah that's, but... not that great. that's not great either. <laughs> it's, a, know, it's a start, but... <laughs> it's a start, but yes, it needs to be updated and upgraded yeah. and everything else. Uh, but then that doesn't exist around the world. You know, they may have their other laws and things that are in place yeah. as well. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it can't be applied everywhere. The Americans with Disabilities Act, it can't be applied everywhere and you can't expect it, uh, you know, from other countries. Although, like I said, they may have their, their laws and everything in place, but, you know, for people with disabilities, we, we want to be able to travel alone if we want to, just exactly. like anyone else. Exactly. Um, I, I was, uh, I'm a, a big Patti LaBelle fan and, um, ah. Yeah, I've met her a few times. She's really great. I'm no kidding. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get her on You've my met, podcast. Oh my god. Yeah. She, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> she's a diabetic, and um, I'm trying to get her on my podcast. But uh, she's doing a show in the summer of 2022, and I looked to buy uh, ticket tickets. Now I wasn't going by myself. I was going to go with someone else, but in order to buy an, a seat in the accessible seating seating area. You have to buy two tickets. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, how, how, and why? Like, what if I wanted to go by myself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like anybody else can buy one ticket in the venue. That's biz that's bizarre. I've never <laughs> seen that in this. Now, right. I like here in Orlando, they have like an outdoor, <clears throat> an outdoor area at Dr. Phillips in downtown where they do these outdoor events and they have these little pods and that became a big thing in England and then they started doing it here. Mm -hmm. So it's like a raised um, aluminum platform that seats four or five people. And you can't just buy one, you, you, you have to buy the whole, the basically pod. you have to buy the whole pod mm -hmm. or something like that. And I'm like, that's fine. Cause it's only like 20 bucks or whatever. But if I, if I want to go by myself, I can't, I can't do that. I, right. I'd have to buy all of them. So I've seen that went in pod seating, but in regular like theater seating, I've never seen anything right. like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just like, wait a minute, you know, and to me, it, it goes back to like old stereotypes and old way of thinking that people with disabilities have, you know, aides and nurses and where some people do mm -hmm. need that. There are oh, people, yes. there are people who don't need aides and nurses nope. to go with them and it's and don't want them <laughs> right and it's like if I wanted to go by myself I couldn't like that's you know that's very interesting um so that that's a, a little off topic but it's it goes back to um you know the world around us being inaccessible and, and does that make us you know where I'm trying to be independent maybe wanting to go to a concert by myself they're saying like no yeah. you can't be <laughs> 
No, it, it's actually, it's not really off topic because that's the problem I run into in hotel rooms all the time uh-huh. is that the things that are, don't fall under the ADA are really frustrating because like they'll put furniture in front of the, um, the curtain poles. So I have to have somebody come in there and close the curtains for me. So it's like the sun doesn't start shining at six o'clock in the morning in my face or in the shower. If the shower happens to be accessible and usable, they always put the handheld shower head at the top position. So I have to have somebody come in and lower the, the shower head or, you know, move a piece of furniture um, or the thermostat is up too high and I can't reach it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all under the assumption that somebody is going to be there to help me do all of these things. I'm like, I don't need somebody to do it. I just need you to let me, you know, put, set things up in a way that I can actually reach it because I'm short. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, but because it doesn't fall under the ADA, it has to be a conscious thought process and not a legal requirement. And it's mm-hmm. it, but it's that comes from the the societal way of of viewing what our lives are like so uh, no it's it's totally totally on the money yeah and and i always say hotel rooms are the like one of the best examples uh for accessibility or inaccessibility because of the things you just mentioned um you know especially the the beds with the mattresses being so high and it's like yeah i'm in a wheelchair and if i don't a lot of times if I'm on vacation or if I'm at a hotel for a night or two, I don't wear my braces. I give myself a break. I just use my chair. Yeah. And it's like, I can't really put pressure on my legs to stand and push myself up onto a, a bed right. that's so high off the ground. Yeah. Um, and I, I always say, I always tell my friends and family, you know, for, for places like hotels and restaurants, they really need as part of like their inspection or something, they need to have someone that is a wheelchair user and other disabilities as well to go through and say, is this functional? Like, of course, this is where it has to be according to the ADA, the law, but is it functional and appropriate for somebody who actually has a disability? And a lot of times times it's not. (laughs) So um, yeah, but that would take money. Yes, it would. It would. That would take money. They, they can pay people like you and I to come and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. They, oh, they, I mean, I've offered. God knows right. that I've offered. But yeah, if it's not legally required, that's that's profit. That's cutting into their profits. And right. we don't want that to happen. Right. right. So. You know, so it's very, um, it's very frustrating. And that's, um, you know, that's really uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to talk about these uh, types of experiences. Uh that you have as a uh, someone who travels with a disability and you have a disability, it's it's really um, can be the best time ever. And that it can also be the most frustrating thing ever. Yeah, the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah, yes, all, yeah absolutely. all in the same trip. <laughs> all, in the same, all in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, to wrap up our conversation, what advice would you give to another person with a disability who is looking to begin their career as a travel writer? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, learn how to write. <laughs> that's, yes. you know, make, make, yeah. And that, that's, that's basic stuff. And I actually wrote uh, an entire book about this. It's called a uh, blogging while disabled, um, how to, how to make money writing from your wheelchair. And uh, that was kind of born a little, I, 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 that came out just as the pandemic was starting. I didn't write it because of the pandemic. It just happened. The timing just happened to work out. Um, but you know, not just about travel, but about anything. Um, so you know, learning how to write, uh, find a writing style, take a look at other people whose writing you enjoy. Um, obviously travel is, is part of that. If you're already traveling, 
then that makes it easy. Anybody can start a blog. It's super easy. It's not expensive. Um, but take a look at, at other blogs that are out there and other people's writing. And that's how I learned how to write. I mean, I've, I've published seven books, um, two of which were on topics that have absolutely nothing to do with, with travel or accessibility, you know, through one of the big five publishers in, um, in New York City. And, uh, but I'm self-taught. I, I, I was writing as a, a counterterrorism analyst in the Air Force, which is a very analytical way of doing it. But then when I started writing as a freelancer for the general public, I had to learn how to do that. So I bought the Associated Press Style Guide and, and read through that. And then I started reading uh, journalists' work who I liked and tried to kind of imitate. Uh, and so you can do it either self-taught or just take a simple co course through, um, through Udemy or, or any other online resource. But um, it's really disruptive when you're trying to read a blog or somebody else's writing, whether it's about travel or anything else. And the grammar is bad. The punctuation is bad. Uh, it's just, it's really a turnoff and it's going to make people go somewhere else. So first and foremost, any kind of writing, learn how to write, learn how to be funny, you know, be funny, be engaging. But most importantly, if you're writing about travel or anything else, you need to be authentic, be real, um, the good stuff and the bad stuff and the embarrassing stuff, because you know what, that's what helps people relate to you. Uh, and it, it just makes it a real experience. And then, yeah, get, get out there and, and, and travel and see stuff and, um, you know, make it, make it authentic and make it real people, uh, and let people know what they can expect. And that's one of the reasons I do a lot of, I do, I don't want to say a lot. I certainly don't. I do some press trips, um, some paid opportunities from destinations to help promote their accessibility. And I always tell them like, look, you're paying me money and it puts me in an awkward position because I want your money, but I need to be honest with my readers because this is a safety issue. So if I tell my readers that they should go and check this out, but the accessibility isn't great, then they run the risk of possibly getting injured or having a bad experience if it doesn't meet their expectations or their needs for accessibility. So I tell them if I come across a restaurant or something or the hotel room isn't great, I'm going to, I'm going to write about, I'm going to blog about, it. I'm going to be as positive as I can and encouraging, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it so much that, uh, you know, that it, it, it could cause potential harm. And fortunately the destinations that I've worked with have been very good about that because the feedback helps them to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, that that's, that's one of the biggest things is that I'm always honest and I don't go to places that I, I don't write about places or experiences that I haven't had personally. Um, so be, be real and, and be, be good, <laughs> be a good writer and, and be authentic in, in your writing. Yeah. I love the authentic part. And that is, that is so important. And also the part of not writing about something that you haven't experienced yourself, because again, it's that, that makes you, that doesn't make you look too good if you're writing about something. And then, as you said, if someone actually goes there, they're going to be like, well, what was she talking about? This yeah. Not... <laughs> like, this is not, this is not it. Right? This is not what she said at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think those are uh, very good uh, tips to give, uh, especially the writing part. Yes, please, please know how to write. That yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> and uh, Sylvia, I thank you again for uh, this great conversation. And before we conclude, can you please tell everyone where they can follow you on social media, where they can find your books and anything else that you have coming up that you uh, would like to share? Uh, sure. Uh the best way to find my writing is through my blog, and that's spintheglobe.net, not .com, spin, spin like spin around, spintheglobe.net. Uh, and then you can look me up using Spin the Globe on Facebook and, and 
Instagram, it's Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A, Sylvia underscore Longmire. You can find me on Instagram and that's where I post all my, all my stories and my photos of all my adventures and my, I have my boys for another week or so. So um, all the stuff that's kind of going on with me day to day. So yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and then my blog, and I've got links to all my social media, on my blog as well. Great. Thank you so much for this uh, very uh, encouraging and educational uh, conversation. It's really um, something that I, I, like I said, I think people need to hear uh, more stories about those who live with disabilities and the things that we do. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, most of us are not sitting around in the house and yeah. doing nothing. We live very active lives we and productive do, yeah. lives. And uh, any way that I, any opportunity I have to share those stories uh, with people, I truly appreciate uh, the time that you've taken to uh, speak with me today. Of course. And thanks for doing what you do and, and yeah. for having me on today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And I will uh, definitely be in touch with you soon. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I want to make sure that this podcast is as interactive as possible. So if you have any questions or any topics you would like for me to address in an upcoming episode, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. You can also email me, ourviewforlife at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.